Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 129, released on September 30th, 2015. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve, and hello, everyone. How's it going? Going well. I should say at the top of the show that we are proudly sponsored by our good friend and uh, and, and uh, all-round nice guy, Patrick O'Neill. Patrick O'Neill. Yes, sir. Thank you, Patrick, for your continued support. Now, uh, it's uh, coming around quickly again. September is uh, usually a quick month. Um, and uh, I've celebrated another birthday, God help me. So uh, it's uh, it's been an all right month. Yeah, but we're moving into our autumn here. And mm-hmm. um, I say autumn because I know you guys aren't <laughs> uh, using the word fall very much. And after all, fall's kind of a silly way. you know. So the leaves fall off the trees. So we <laughs> Americans just took to calling it fall. But um, we've actually passed into a new season here. It's, it gets pretty cold at night now. The daytimes are actually the kind of weather that I like, a little, little cooler. And I'm mm-hmm. currently drinking a Jack O Traveler pumpkin shandy as we record this. And wow. when I'm drinking a Jacko Traveler pumpkin shandy, you at home should go ahead and take a cue to get a drink of your very own. <laughs> very good. Well, as we uh, move into, uh, well and truly into spring here, uh, looking forward to the warmer weather. But uh, the fans out there want to hear about what we want to talk about in regards to the Superman-related stuff that's happened this past month. So, Is that what we're going to do this yeah, month? Yeah, well, just for something different, I thought we might, I, might I do agree. that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it Get stale doing the same old thing. <laughs> Well, uh, some of the things that have happened around about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, the upcoming movie, which is, uh, what is it now, six months away? Six months away, wow. and I still talk to people who say, they're making another one of those movies <laughs> every time. I get, Didn't we already have a Superman? Well, yeah. Well, haven't we already had Batman? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, they are. Yes. And it's just, it just uh, it goes around and around and around. And uh... Everybody, everyone on the outside that I meet. Just crazy people out there, yeah. not knowing what's ah, going on. Crazy indeed. <laughs> well, uh, this you don't like superheroes? <laughs> what? You're crazy. Uh, talking about crazy, Michael Shannon is a bit of a, a crazy dude, and he's uh, been. Uh, well, we spoke last month about some of the crazy stuff that he's been speaking about about Zod having flipper hands in the upcoming movie. Now we know that that's no longer, well, never the truth. It was. Uh, a bit of a red herring, as he calls it, something that, you know, because he's being asked about this movie that he's not really allowed to speak about. I mean, we weren't really even sure that he was going to actually be part of it at all. Uh, we still don't know just how what capacity he will be, and we know that his dead body as Zod is there being pulled along in a um, a body bag, if you like, uh, on cryopreserve or what have you. But uh, we really don't know much more about the, the role of Zod in Batman v Superman, but he did reveal in an interview with Larry King that, yes, he was just joking about having flipper for hands, that, um, if anything, his role is probably like a little bit like Jor-El's character was after he died. He, he says he's a bit of a ghost. Now, whether that's an AI or some kind of a flashback or something like that, we don't know, but uh, Shannon's pretty funny about the way he keeps things uh, hidden in regards to his role in this movie. 
Well, I'm not sure why he would be a ghost or an AI. The mm. only thing I could picture is if he is some sort of a, a flashback sequence or doesn't have a speaking or moving role at all and was just there to film his dead body scene. If that's the case, we know that they can fabricate someone's uh, facade uh, mm -hmm. in wax or whatever it is that they do or even in CGI to make him appear as if he's really there as yeah. opposed to hiring Michael Shannon to come back and be on set. This does beg the question, though, if he wasn't wearing flipper hands and if that wasn't the explanation for why he was stuck in a bathroom and no one could find him, what was the reason? Because it's, it's one thing for him to say, I had flipper hands and I couldn't get out, and then later say, oh, no, no, that didn't really happen. But it's another thing when uh, several different people on set said everyone was looking for him, couldn't find him, and that they were angry because they couldn't continue filming because they needed Michael Shannon. Well, I mean, he, that story came from him. So whether anybody else has actually confirmed that that story actually happened or not, uh, I don't know. Uh, he talks about this this janitor who let him out and you know was doing his job or whatever. But um, beyond Shannon telling the story, has anybody else confirmed that this story actually happened? I was under the impression that that Zach had said, yeah, we, we, he was lost for a while and we couldn't find him. But if he just said that Zach said that, <laughs> then that covers everything. Because I had said before, Zach sounded kind of like he was um, being a little dictatorish when he was cursing his name and saying, where the hell is he? And that kind of a thing. But if, <laughs> if he really wasn't there, then, uh, then, then the whole story was fabricated. That's kind of funny. And it actually... It's kind of neat that he would think to, to to make up this whole story just because he's not allowed to say what he was doing. How about just, well, yeah, you see me in the trailer. I'm a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he should be writing films instead of acting in them because he's got yeah, a very uh, visual. Everyone voice. in his films has flipper hands and they get stuck <laughs> in bathrooms. Very good. Well, uh, that's what's happening with Mark Shannon. We know that he was doing some voiceover work and we know that he was there in some capacity. We just have to wait and see exactly what that is. But moving on, uh, there have been some other rumors that have caught a bit of traction this past month and that one about George Miller possibly being in line to do a Man of Steel 2. Uh, then Zack Snyder's come out and said that he hadn't, hasn't had any contact with George Miller and uh, but he'd be definitely open to discussing the ideas with him and, you know, that, um, you know, his door's always open if George Miller wants to ever approach him and that, you know, he's definitely, you know, interested in the idea. Now, whether or not that's Zack just kind of, you know... Um, uh, deflecting some of the stories and you know deflecting the, the interview questions, we don't know. But then uh, Zack Snyder has made a very interesting comment in a recent interview, saying that in a way, Batman v Superman is Man of Steel too. Well, I think we could kind of see that for ourselves because it is obviously it's continuing the story. We see uh, the Metropolis battle from another point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, we see Superman dealing with the ramifications of some of the political body and some of the people, uh, the citizenry on Earth, saying that it was his fault, saying that he shouldn't be here, saying, look what happens when someone like this is able to roam free and do what he wants, that kind of a thing. So I I think it was obvious that it kind of is, but it's still not really an answer in terms of where is the solo Superman film that I won't say everybody because clearly not everybody was thrilled with uh, Man of Steel or is even a fan of Superman. But all of the Superman fans and especially the people who liked Man of Steel would like to see a continuation of Superman's story. And the thing is, is part of Superman's story, at least as we have always known it in the comics, is he does have relationships with other heroes, other people, other characters that normally have their own comic and have standalone 
story. So the fact that the story continues here doesn't mean it's actually Man of Steel 2, but means that it is a continuation of Superman's story while at the same time being an introduction of Batman's story, Wonder Woman's story, Aquaman's story. Any other person who is in this movie that wasn't in the first movie, Alfred, Mercy, Lex. So I could see where that idea is coming from, the idea that, well, you can see that all these characters are continuing. And we're also being introduced to new direct Superman people with Lex and Mercy and stuff. And we also have Martha, uh, but we but we have then other heroes and other characters that are not normally part of Superman Central, but mm. they are a part of Superman's story because Batman and Superman has kind of been a thing for ever, for the longest time. They were partners. They were friends. They were the never, never enemies, but they were always kind of there. So yeah, two sides of the same that. coin, as they say. And then as far as the George Miller thing, I don't know, even know where that came from, why somebody said it, why it happened. But as you and I have always said, with the internet and the age of social media and people being able to say whatever they want, uh, we've been hearing uh, Zod is doomsday since the beginning of uh, the, the talks about the movie being made. So is that possibly true? Possibly, I guess. But all of these types of things, people just say things to try to get hits to their web website and mm. that sort of thing. And lots of people are what uh, social media likes to call haters and hate the idea that Zack Snyder might do other superhero movies. So they would like anything better than having him there. And maybe George Miller would do a fine job. But if it's never really been talked about and it never really has any basis in truth, then this is just another one of those cases where people uh, are just saying whatever they want to say. And then Zack Snyder's reaction to it, I, I think I talked about this on Great Scott. It seems odd to me that he would say, oh, well, if he was interested, I would love to sit down and talk with him about the possibility. And I'm not really sure what his role is beyond being a director of a couple of films, but it doesn't seem to me, based on what I know about the industry, which admittedly is very little, that Zack Snyder would have any say or anything to do with whether or not George Miller would come on board and be involved with DC movies. Yeah, I mean, I know that obviously Zack Snyder is overseeing some of these uh, superhero movies. He's going to be in charge of... I mean, he was in charge of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and he's the director that's going to be doing the Justice League Part 1 and Justice League Part 2. So I'm guessing that, therefore, he has a say in some capacity as to how the overall DC universe of films is to be portrayed, um, and Warner Brothers would want his input on, you know, a, uh, I guess, an overarching theme... Uh, so that uh, everybody's on the same page moving forward. But as to whether or not he would have to have any interviews or any you know, say about whether or not George Miller is a director or you know, is, is the man that Warner Brothers would choose if Zack Snyder wasn't interested or wasn't available to do a standalone Superman movie, then, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, obviously there'd be some discussions there if uh, some other director was going to come in and take over the reins from Superman from Zack Snyder. Well, I could see maybe if they were saying, well, this is the Superman that Zack Snyder created, so we'd like to have his, his input on how to continue that best. Mm. Although uh, my impression would be, and from, and, and from you know, just from seeing how it's gone down since Man of Steel came out and seeing the direction they've decided to go in and hearing things like it's going to be a Batman-centric universe from this point forward and that he's getting three movies and that we still haven't heard on Superman and that it's on indefinite hold and... These kinds of things, 
if anything, I would think they'd be talking to someone like George Miller or anybody else because they wanted to move away from Zack Snyder's vision of Superman because it didn't resonate with enough people for that vision of Superman to continue. Same thing with bringing on uh, Ben Affleck and Ben Affleck's writer uh, from Argo. Chris Terrio. Louis Chris Terrio on Man of Steel, on Batman v Superman because they kind of want to go in a different direction with it and they're not happy enough with the way the writing turned out the first time and so they're doing things a little differently and so maybe if they wanted to stay true to Zack Snyder's Man of Steel moving on with the Man of Steel 2 they might have the two directors meet but do you think that in terms of the overall universe, I don't believe Zack Snyder had any input on Suicide Squad. I don't think he's going to have any input on the Flash movie or any input on the Aquaman film. Or uh, Maybe you could say, well, maybe they'll call him in because he's the one who introduced Aquaman. But there's a lot of films that are slated to be released through 2020 that are in this DC universe of films. I don't really think Zack Snyder is going to be a person that has to be talked to for every one of them. No, well, not necessarily, but I think you might find that he and his wife may indeed be producers on some of those films, uh, so there would be some kind of um, you know, creative input or even monetary input, but uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see just what their involvement or what, how deeply tied they are to the DC Universe of Films moving forward. But uh, yeah, you, you, you may well be right on, on that front. Can you imagine being Zack Snyder, though, and, and, and having that as a possibility and just being involved in this kind of capacity? Right. Being fans as we are, we've talked about before being a writer or being an artist but not really having the in or not really having the talent or whatever it is. But And then me being an actor and wanting to be in these kinds of movies mm-hmm. and things. Aside from being Henry Cavill and getting to be my favorite character – which, if you look at my body, I mean, that's clearly a possibility. Uh, aside from that, you know, Zack Snyder now having his hand in every pot. You know, I think of that when I think of Stan Lee and just seeing all his creations and everything he had a hand in kind of being alive now on screen and just how life gets you to the point that, you know, and he's done a lot of work to obviously get there, but now he's got his hand in, in all of these different projects and obviously making tons of money, mm. and, and his wife's involved, and it's what a, what a crazy, awesome life. Exactly. Just uh, you've got your, um, your immediate future secured and, and even long-term future secured just by having that in and um, having that connection. It's an amazing position to be in. Absolutely. And speaking of connections, moving on, we've had uh, Diane Nelson, the DC, what's her actual title? Uh, She's the president of WB Consumer Products and president chief content officer of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Put that wow, on your is that all card. on her door? Is that like, does she have that on a placard? Like, long placard the size of a door, I guess. She, just she opens up her business card and it just falls to the floor from her waist high. <laughs> That's some title. But she's come out and said that there's there's definitely no connection between uh, or no plans to be and there isn't one between the TV and film divisions of these superhero characters. And though we've heard this before from uh, people like Jeff Johns have said that, uh, now I guess it's more definitive because the person that's really at the top of the chain is saying that that's the case. Mm. Yeah, she said that while the shared universe concept has worked beautifully for Marvel, uh, that method of uh, universe building she says, could end up handcuffing our creators into trying to work with the same storyline or force them to hold back characters or introduce certain characters. 
Uh, she says that the concept of superhero fatigue, you know, the whole idea that we're getting too many superhero movies, that there are just too much out there at the moment. She says, we do believe we're in a period of time where comics and superheroes are really the driving force within pop culture. We have to be really sensitive to make sure we're not creating any stories that don't feel like they're ready to, they're ready to be told. So obviously they're very concerned and very conscious of exactly what's happening and the fact that they are in a golden age of making superhero movies, but they're not about just throwing them out there willy-nilly. They're, you know, they're, they're, they want to make sure that they're good. Well, um, I'm all for that, for certain. And I did do a great Scott topic on this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I understand. And it makes sense if that really is the truth because it's the same thing with J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. They didn't want to... They didn't want to have him clamped down to all the TV series and all the movies and everything that we've seen over the long history of the franchise. So they said, let's just start it over and it can be an offshoot. And, you know, time travel and alternate universes has always been a thing in Star Trek, just like it has been in the superhero world. Mm -hmm. So we can have one version on TV where they're different than they are in the movie. You know, and even the movies in general are much more serious and much darker, at least at this point, in this version of the universe, since we've only been going as long as men of steel has uh are much darker looking than most of the tv shows even if arrow's a little bit more serious than the flash uh, you can you can tell by the look and that's why i'm kind of interested to see where marvel goes with this because they made it clear with the daredevil series that it is a part of that movie universe but it's such a different feel for a tv show Mm. whereas the movies are kind of goofy and off the wall and they're joking all the time. And then the Daredevil show was very kind of dark and serious and very realistic and gritty. Whereas with the DC movies, the movies are kind of very dark and realistic and, and ultra uh, serious. And, and the TV shows are much, much lighter and even campier in some cases where you have characters like Felicity, who's kind of a goof troop all the time, and then you have uh, uh, the guy on The Flash who's coming up with all the names, who just seems over the top. I kind of put them together as an amalgam of Chloe from Smallville. (laughs) I don't think Chloe was as goofy as either of them. No. But if maybe if you put both of them together, they would kind of be what Chloe might have been, and Chloe was kind of like that on the Smallville show. But on a much more serious in a much more serious way. One thing I liked about Smallville that you don't get, I don't think, with with the new ones, and I think Arrow's better than Flash in this regard, is that Smallville always kind of took it pretty seriously. It wasn't campy, it wasn't goofy, wasn't it wasn't right, it wasn't. And it seems like on the Flash, even though everyone's kind of everyone jumped right on the Flash bandwagon. Look at this, this is the way you do it right from the start. You want to make him Flash and you want to make it a superhero show and you want to make it clear that there's villains and so okay, I get all that, but then at the same time they're kind of playing a cheeky when they announce the supervillain names and when they kind of goof on them and that sort of thing. And on Smallville, they never really did that. It was all kind of presented the way it was mm-hmm. and it was a superman story and this that's just these characters exist even with the nolan batman films that everybody loves they kind of had a hard time they didn't want to say the batmobile they didn't want to say and when when alfred finally does say it it's kind of a jokey way that he says it he's making fun of the fact that oh did you want to take the ferrari or the batmobile uh but batman never called it that catwoman wasn't called by her name he said the penguin wouldn't fit in his universe so they, it just still seems like there's still sort of a stigma, even though it's the most popular form of popular entertainment right now, with attached with making superhero movies. So the idea that 
the DC film and TV divisions are going to be separate makes perfect sense because they really don't fit mm. the TV series right now as they are. As much as I'd like to see this Arrow and Flash continue, don't really fit within the Man of Steel mold and what looks like Batman v Superman is. Do you, mm. you know what I mean? I understand 100% and I'm with you. Um, I don't think that there's any problem. I don't think movie and TV viewers are, um, you know... Uh, you know, aren't smart enough to be able to understand that there can be different versions and different, you know, whether you're talking about alternate realities or... You you don't think that they aren't smart enough. That's right. I used a double double negative there. So I think they're smart enough to understand that there are two different universes or there are two different versions. You know, it doesn't have to... You know, when we're watching, um, say, the Christopher Reeve movies and we know that there's the Wonder Woman TV show, we don't expect that, that they're in the same universe. We know that there are similar characters that they're around the same time or the same era or whatever, but we don't think that they're necessarily connected, just like we don't ex- necessarily expect Man of Steel to be connected with Arrow or The Flash or Supergirl even. So, you know, fans, I think, are, are savvy enough to understand that they're just, dis- they're just not connected. They're not in the same universe. While we'd love to see them cross over, and it's been fun to see the Arrow and the Flash cross over, and the possibility that Supergirl might cross over, and you know the uh, Legends of the DC Universe, and all those crossing crossing over with the Flash and Arrow, and have kind of, or well, have, if of anything, have, have sprouted from that those TV shows to have their own TV show. Uh, I think that's great, and it's fun to see that kind of stuff. But um, just like we don't expect the Marvel and the DC characters to cross over in a TV show or in a movie, uh, we can understand that the TV and movies of the same company can be separate. Although in the Marvel shows, they are doing that. Uh, many no, characters. I just, yeah, I know that they are, but I just, I just meant like DC characters and Marvel characters crossing oh, over right. into company crossovers. Okay. We'd love to yeah, see just... that, but we're not going to. No, I don't believe that that's ever going to be a possibility, <laughs> even as much as I think... It still could be possible someday that they will cross over the TV and film divisions. Right now, it doesn't seem to be in the cards. But that being said, and I said this on Great Scott as well, it also seems kind of like a cop-out, kind Mm. of like a lazy point. Like, we don't really want to spend all that time with meetings and getting together and planning things out. And it would just be much easier, kind of like the J.J. Abrams thing. Uh, I just want to be able to do whatever I want willy-nilly, and it would just be much easier if I didn't have to worry about uh, the fact that Spock's never had an emotional relationship with Uhura or the fact that um, Supergirl and uh, Superman are cousins. I just want to kind of touch on it but then never have to bother with it again and Mm. Even though all of uh, the city that Supergirl lives in is being exploded and all these super characters are there or destroying things and trying to kill her, I'm just going to hang out at the Daily Planet and never come over here and do anything because it would just be too difficult for me to try and figure out how to work out the logistics of the thing. Yeah. So I can see that from that standpoint too, and obviously it is going to be much easier uh, from each show's standpoint, from each movie's standpoint, if they don't have to – you know how much research you already have to do and I always – I oftentimes feel like not enough research was done when comic books have crossovers to begin with. Suddenly a character comes in and we're going to talk about this later and I'm going to bring it up such as Aquaman coming into the uh, Batman Superman comic. I don't feel like – they oftentimes really understand the character that they're using as a guest star, and they just mm. write it the way they think it would be, but then you see him in the other stories, and he doesn't act that way. And I think that that could happen a lot easier on TV shows and stuff. Yeah, Maybe it wouldn't be as bad because the same actors would be playing him, 
but the writing is a right, different writing team. They don't necessarily watch every episode. They yep. don't really know the show. So it's a very difficult thing to plan out. Uh, I'd love to see it. Uh, but again, the, the, the versions as they are now, I don't even think would fit together. Yeah, I agree totally. So that's what's happening. Uh, TV and film are separate at the DC universe of, uh, of comic book characters. And uh, we can live with that uh, as much as we would love to see them. Now, at the risk of this show being over because we've run out of time, could you just uh, go ahead and announce her title again? Because I feel like uh, people out there might not have got it. (laughs) Diane Nelson is the president of WP Consumer Products and president chief content officer of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Wow. And a partridge (laughs) in a pear tree. (laughs) Yes. So that's what's happening with the, the movies and TV shows. Uh, talking about TV shows, uh, very, very sad news to report that Jack Larson, who everyone knows best as Jimmy Olsen in the 1950s Adventures of TV, Adventures of Superman TV series, passed away this month, aged 87. Um, very sad news. Uh, it, it, it was quite a bit of a surprise because he seemed to be in good health last time we'd seen him. It was only a year ago he was at a dedication for a plaque for the adventures of Superman and and uh, seemed to be in good health. So uh, it was very sad news. Yes, and he, of course, appeared in uh, Superman Returns, as yes. far as I know, most recently associated with the Superman mythos as, uh, I guess he was Bibbo, even yeah. though it never really came out in the dialogue. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was sad to see. Good news is that he did live a long life mm-hmm. uh, and uh, is it was very uh, active in the Superman community, seemed to be very happy to be so, as uh, with a lot of actors, they seem to want to distance themselves after they get out of a big, giant, legendary franchise or something like that. Uh, Jack Larson always seemed to embrace it. He was at all, a lot of different uh, Superman events, as you say, dedicated a plaque. So uh, good guy, seemingly, and uh, uh, sad to hear, but... Um, uh, Jimmy Olsen, there you go. Yeah, and uh, for a while there, he did uh, feel that he was um, pigeonholed into being Jimmy Olsen and, and it really st- uh, stagnated his career once the, the show ended and once once George passed away. And, um, you, know, he, you know, he said he grew a moustache or grew a beard or whatever, try to, because he couldn't go out in the street. He was, he was so famous as Jimmy Olsen. But, um, you know, he was a very talented man. He, he was obviously um, a very talented musician, um, wrote um, many different. Um, oh, uh, I think it was. It was. I'm trying to think of the the title that uh, he's uh, a libertist. I think it, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm looking at here. Yeah, a libertist, a playwright, um, and uh, a very talented man, very accomplished man in in the music industry beyond his acting uh, role as Jimmy Olsen and other movies that he'd been in before that. But uh, as the years went by, the decades went by, he realised that. Um, you know just how beloved the role of Jimmy Olsen was, and how um, you know uh, famous he was for that, and how mu- you know how much he could embrace that, and as Noel had done, and um, and went on to you know be a part of the Superboy TV series, uh, appeared in um, a Jerry Seinfeld um, Superman uh, American Express commercial, appeared in uh, Lois and Clark as an older Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and appeared in Superman Returns, as you said. So he went on to embrace it. Um, I was lucky enough to have met him here in Australia when he flew out to film his role for Superman Returns. Um, sat down and had a, a, a nice Chinese meal to, uh, together at, at Sydney Harbour there, not far from the Opera House. 
Uh, he was out here on his own, and, and Noel and um, uh, Larry Ward, you know, contacted me and said, look, you know, Jack's out here, uh, out in Australia. Is, you know, he's on his own. Uh, if you want to meet up with him, uh, I'm sure he'd love the, the um, you know, to have some company. And so I uh, met, met, met up with him, and uh, he was a lovely man. We spoke for hours. He was just a... He knew everything and everyone about uh, in Hollywood and seemed to have such a great knowledge for everything uh, that had happened in Hollywood and behind the scenes and was friends with everyone and was just a, a lovely, lovely man. And I was uh, so blessed to have been able to spend that time with him. Well, that's, uh, that's a nice story. That's very nice. I, it would have been nice to meet him. I could imagine how uh, exciting and, and cool it would have been. And when you mentioned that he couldn't go out on the street back in the day, uh, it's hard to imagine now because there's so many TV shows and there are so many networks and there are so many channels and people are so busy and there's so many entertainment options. But back when The Adventures of Superman was on, there were, what, three networks? And this was probably one of the biggest shows on one of the networks at that time. So... Anybody who ever turned on a television had to know who all of those people were mm. on that show and, and to try and go outside. You know, if you're Rick Grimes or something on, on the most popular – one of the most popular shows on TV now, The Walking Dead, you might have that in some instances. But no. uh, even now, you know, Tom Cruise can walk down the street in New York with a cap on and most people are going to go about their day and not even recognize it. But with the world not being as populated, not being as busy and not – not having as many things that are going to occupy them, Jack Larson and, and other characters on shows at that time must have really had a much harder time, uh, especially when the show they were on was so popular. Mm. So uh, very sad to, to hear of his passing. But as you say, he led a very rich and full life and lived to the ripe old age of 87. And uh, we should be so lucky to to, to make it to that uh, to that uh, point in life and to have as full a life as he did um, in and the career that he did. So. Um, May he rest in peace. Absolutely. And let's dedicate this episode to Jack Larson, everyone. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's move on to some of the uh, good stuff we can talk about in the world of TV. And uh, CBS, with the premiere, the second season premiere of Scorpion, released a 75-second trailer, a sizzler, if you like, a sizzle reel of never-before-seen Supergirl footage, footage from episodes beyond the pilot, uh, episode, and uh, they really highlighted some of her superpowers. You saw her super breath, flight, heat vision, uh, speed, all those, uh, all the different uh, gamut of, uh, of of superpowers that she has. And some of the villains like Helgramite and um, Reactron were also featured in that particular sizzle reel. I loved it. I watched it uh, just before we did the show here, and uh, I I can't help but feel like they were reacting to. Some of the people, myself included, who said that the trailer, the six-minute one that we got a few months back, made it seem a little too silly, maybe a little too campy, or that there were moments that were Sex in the City-ish. And even though they show Cat uh, Grant as a character in this little trailer here, we don't get the goofy kind of music uh, accompaniment. We don't get the goofy scene at at uh, Catropolis or whatever it is, and we don't we don't have to deal with that situation, uh, which there may be an audience for that. 
maybe the the younger girls and, and mothers that they're trying to entice into watching it together. You know, maybe the mothers are fans of Callista Flockhart from Allie McBeal, and maybe the daughters want to watch Supergirl. But then as far as superhero fans and maybe guys go, uh, maybe some of that feel might have turned them off to it. And, and, and we've heard and I've read and, and I myself reacted to it in that manner. But this sizzle reel is pretty serious from beginning to end. Mm, no, and it's very impressive. The special effects are quite good. Uh, the acting seems quite good. Um, really impressed with what I'm seeing in this and looking forward to it. Um, Me too. I've seen uh, promotions for Supergirl on the Australian Fox 8 channel uh, TV network here, and, and they're, it's the same network that shows The Flash and, and Arrow. So they're, and, you know, they're really combining all the commercials uh, for all three shows together in one, and I'm really looking forward to seeing... Uh, how it's it's taken. There's, I'm getting a lot of you know feedback from fans. Some concerned about some of the negative stuff that's been out there. Some fans really bashing the show, saying, "Oh, the CGI looks horrible. The acting's really bad." Or you know, this looks really horrible. But uh, you know, from everyone that I've actually spoken to, people have actually sat and watched it. Uh, yourself, Michael Bailey. You know, everyone who I know that I people that I the fans that I interact with seem really positive about this show and really looking forward to it. And so, yeah, there are going to be people out there who are going to be negative about it. And that's just the way the world works these days. People don't say things unless they've got something negative to say generally. And so you will see a lot of negative talk on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, YouTube or whatever. But um, I think in general, the, the, the overall reaction seems to be very positive. Well, you know, it's one of those things where... And this must be what you're saying, that people just like to be negative because the most – the thing that most surprises me is the the fans that – and I haven't heard it too much. But I have heard from some people that's – and I think maybe one of the people you were talking about mentioned this uh, on our site that he's really concerned because it seems like a lot of fans uh, are being hard on Melissa Benoist. And when I – see the things she's doing, the picture she's posing for, the way she is on set, the way she talks in interviews, and the way she looks in the uniform and in all the footage I've seen, I don't see how you can be negative on her in exactly. any way at all. No. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it at all. I, you know, maybe the campy stuff with Cat Grant or, or maybe, maybe an effect looked a little off to you, but I don't see how you can, uh, not love Melissa, but, uh, I thought the effects in the sizzle reel looked great. And I thought the effects in what I saw uh, in the six-minute thing looked great. I didn't watch the pilot. I'm not one of the people who watched it. Uh, I really want to, but I, at the same time, I want to wait for the premiere. I'm kind of, you know, that's my sacrifice. You know, some people give up uh, cigarettes or, or eating fatty foods. <laughs> Me, I uh, I am sacrificing seeing the Supergirl pilot early. That's right. Very good. Well, yeah, um, we have seen some other things about Supergirl that look very interesting. We've seen our first look. Uh, Jenna Dewan Tatum, who is play, playing Lucy Lane, is just the one photo that we've seen of her uh, in that role. Um, not really much to uh, to react to. I mean, she's a very attractive young lady, and um, you know, I can see her being Lois Lane's sister. But beyond that, there really isn't much to be able to react to, other than seeing that first photo. Yeah, I think it's cool that Lucy's going to be in it, though. That's kind of yeah. cool. And as will General Sam Lane, her father. Uh, so that's really cool. We also got to see our very first photo of the Red Tornado. And this kind of got a very mixed reaction from a lot of the fans. What was your reaction to it, Scotty? Well, it's interesting. Uh, and the argument that I got was that maybe it's a lighting thing or maybe when we see it on film, it'll look more red. Now, listen, I know they don't like showing red. They didn't do it in Man of Steel. They didn't do it in Superman Returns. They Even didn't the do Flash. it on the... 
yeah. flash. They don't like to use the color red. I guess it washes out the screen or it looks too chintzy or it looks too silly. I don't know. But in his name is that he is the red tornado. So, uh, and I'll get flack for this because it's clearly not brown. But when you come out with a picture of a guy in a brown suit, you're never going to go, oh, that must be the red tornado. I actually think the suit looks pretty good with the unfortunate side effect of it looking like a suit this guy's supposed to be a an android mm. so his body should be metallic and it should be made up of metal um as it always is in the comics he has he even has uh, seams and things where his mouth is and where his arms are and his elbows this looks like a guy in a cloth uniform which is different it doesn't mean his body is not metallic underneath but i'm not sure uh, if well, I guess I guess an android or a robot could put on a uniform every day, and I guess that's okay. But mostly, I was struck by the kind of not red color. Yeah, I had um, you know a preconceived idea, and as we do when we see a comic book counterpart, we know what a character is supposed to look like in the comic books. And so, when you're seeing for the very first time a live action portrayal of that cartoon or comic book character in real life you're hoping for something that's similar along the lines of what you're familiar with from the drawn character but in this case it's a bit of um, uh, a difference from that uh, he's still got the, the t uh, on his chest um, or a t shape if you like on his chest in the in the outfit and the costume but it's not that sleek metallic you know um, highlighted type of formed figure that we're familiar with from the comic books and I can appreciate that they're going something different they don't have to copy what we're familiar with in the comic books but I guess that's where the negativity or the um, you know the reaction of of people seeing this for the first time uh, is the fact that they were looking for something that they thought they knew and here they're getting something different we don't know how it'll play out how it'll be visually appearing in the, you know moving in the, in the the TV show I'm interested in seeing how the special effects surrounding the Red Tornado's powers are portrayed. But all in all, uh, I can live with it. I just, it wasn't what I was expecting and I'm, you know, keeping my mind open as far as seeing how it plays out once we see it in motion. Well, all that being said, I'm definitely very excited about seeing how it comes out. I think um, uh, we, we're kind of used to by now alternate versions of uniforms and different colors. And, you know, when you look at the Man of Steel outfit or even Supergirl herself on this series, they're not going with the really bright reds. And it's, uh, it's, a, little, it's a little toned down. And she has the darker uh, pantyhose or leggings or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call that. Uh, so it's, it's a little different all, almost all the time when you see a character transform transferred from one medium to another uh but i do like the idea we're seeing red i mean it's first time live action red tornado full out you know talking about the flash going full out right from the beginning we had some characters on smallville that seemed like they might be the villains that we knew but kind of presented in a smallville kind of way uh this this is red tornado they're just saying it straight out Mm -hmm. and i like the idea that he's also playing to morrow i kind of get the the impression that I was wrong in first and I and, and I don't know if I am because I didn't no one has told me but my guess is I was wrong at first saying I hope that they're not saying that Tio Morrow turns into the mm. Red Tornado or that they're going to have a uh, an alter ego type of thing or that it's a, a lab mishap or, or something because what I think now might be more like Data on Star Trek where his creator he just made him he made himself in the image of 
uh, he made the android in the image of himself. Yeah. That would be more likely what uh, I'm guessing is what's going to happen. Yes. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I don't know. A lot of times they don't. The other thing they don't do on shows is give you the powers as you know them and also the character as you know them. My guess would be that he's going to be a foil for Supergirl starting out, mm -hmm. uh, something he, she needs to stop. And maybe it's before he kind of comes of himself, like at the moment he is out of control or doesn't understand who he is or is upset or afraid or whatever mm. and, is, and is accidentally trashing things or something along those lines where – He's not really a villain, but he'll probably be the villain of the episode when he's introduced. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. I, I love that uh, that uh, that Firestorm is on on the Flash. I think I, I just I love it. I love seeing all these characters we've never seen before. You know, it's great. You have the Flash. You know, the the, the premier marquee hero. But that it's nice to have these other the you know Adam Ray Palmer on Arrow. Just to see all these other characters coming to life on screen it is just so, so much fun. Yeah, it's very exciting, and it's, it's great to be a fan to see all this stuff happening and all these characters come to life. Another character, Len, uh, oh, yeah, another sorry. character I was just about to say I mentioned earlier was uh, General Sam Lane uh, being played by Glenn Morshower. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned it before, so I didn't know if you were going to move on, but I wanted to say uh, to those who do, didn't notice or don't know, or if you watched 24, he was a major character on 24 for many of the seasons, and I like the actor. He's a, he's a good actor. He plays a good... Uh, he was a military guy always on there, so the fact that he's playing a military guy uh, probably gives him the impression that he's typecast, but... Uh, I think it's also it's also shows that he's very good at it, and and uh, they tend to cast people that they uh, kind of already know are going to be able to play the type of a character that they need. And of course, General Sam Lane is a general, so he's a very staunch kind of military guy. He's strict and he's probably tough. And uh, Glenn Morshower can definitely pull that off. Yeah, and it says that upon his arrival in National City, this stern military man will recruit Supergirl to help execute a top tier government mission. And it says, but General Sam Lane isn't just a man with a plan. He's also the overprotective father to both Lucy and Lois Lane. So uh, we might see him in a recurring role there on the TV series. Very, very cool. I'm excited, and it's coming closer. Yes, it's not far away now. It's, uh, what, to October 26th, isn't it? So we're just, uh, just a month away, uh, hmm. depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, very close indeed. I think our next show, our next podcast will be released just after the premiere of Supergirl on uh, the 28th of October. So uh, we'll probably, uh, depending on when we sit down and record the show, may be able to speak about uh, the pilot when uh, you'll finally be able to get to see it. Mm, we'll probably have to delay our recording from what we usually do, but that, it might be worth it that month. So yeah. uh, let's, uh, let's, let's definitely look at that. That'd be a good idea to see. Now, something I noticed a few weeks ago, and I'm sure other people have noticed too, it's not like I broke the story, was that there was a uh, photo released of a hallway in DC Entertainment's uh, complex, I guess in uh, Los Angeles, uh, where we saw a poster for what appears to be a new JLA animated series that maybe is coming to Cartoon Network? Yeah, there was a photo shared on Reddit um, of a series of wall posters. Uh, some of them are well-known, uh, like Be Cool Scooby-Doo, the Mike, Mike Tyson mysteries, um, even a new one that was recently announced called Wabbit. Um, and uh, next to it, at the very end of, the, of that series of posters, was a JLA poster that had... Uh, a series of silhouettes of superheroes. You can make out Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Firestorm, Shazam, Hawkgirl. They're all clearly identifiable. Others 
are up for speculation as to who they might be. But Zatanna is definitely on there, I right? Think. And the the fact that there is a JLA poster amongst this series of posters it leads everyone to speculate that we will be getting an upcoming announcement for a JLA animated series to air on Cartoon Network. Nothing has been announced as yet. As I said, when this photo was released, there was a poster for a, a TV show called Wabbit, and recently that has been announced. So that leads us to believe that JLA will recently will soon be announced as well. Um, well, we actually have Wabbit on here where I am. Uh, we were commercials for it running all day as the okay. kids had Cartoon Network on. Uh, but I haven't seen the Scooby-Doo one. You said it's well-known. Obviously, well, Scooby-Doo is well-known. Yeah. Uh, but Be Cool Scooby-Doo, uh, I think, is a new show that hasn't come out yet unless right. it's out where you are or no, no, I no, missed just, it. I, I only meant that it's been announced that they were coming out. So this, the couple of these shows, like the Mike okay. Tyson one, they've been announced. And I think Mike Tyson one might be actually already... Uh, yes, it's on. on. Yeah, so a number of these shows, as I said, have been announced or, or are on TV, and um, obviously um, Tom and Jerry is a well-known one. That's amongst a right. series of posters. So um, yeah, Wabbit, uh, Looney Tunes production. Um, there'll be a panel for that at New York Comic Con. So that's a new one. So maybe at New York Comic Con we'll get something about JLA announced. Uh, but it's very, very cool to see that we might be getting, and, and it looks quite possible that we'll be getting an animated series uh, about the JLA. So fingers crossed that that one uh, comes to fruition. We'll let you know if and in, if and when that is announced because uh, we're hopeful that there will be a JLA animated series in the near future. I really hope that we get one. I uh, I have expressed many times that I was really disappointed in the way that it was handled back when it was on before, and it kind of was bounced around. Same thing happened with Teen Titans. So. On one hand, I'd much rather we get one on a different network, but if this is the only way we can go, maybe these days with superheroes being so popular, they'll handle it better. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll have to, like I said, keep you posted on anything we find out about that possibility. All right, let's move into our comic book discussions, and the first one we want to talk about is Superman number 43, which was released just after our last podcast was recorded. And in this, we find Superman waking up uh, next to Lois Lane in bed, he's naked. Uh, he's obviously been passed out for quite a while after their run-in uh, before that in the previous uh, issue. And uh, in this comic book, we find out why and how Lois Lane comes to out Superman's secret identity to the public. This is so crazy because I have I have very rarely and and you know how hard I've been on this title and on the artwork and on the way it's been going I and I very rarely go full circle from the beginning of one particular book to the end of the same book but at the beginning of this book uh, my brother was here uh, my wife was here I was reading it I was on the first page and I said dear god do I hate this title out loud uh, what I said was, man, I hate this Superman. And everybody joked, yeah, we hate Superman too. Um, but uh, I didn't mean Superman. I meant this book, this title, Superman. It bothers me. It has bothered me for the longest time. I haven't enjoyed any of the stories. I don't even like this new enemy. I don't like the, the premise. I don't like really anything about it. However, 
being that we're in this mystery of why his identity was revealed and why Lois would do it and everyone calling her a bitch and saying she's terrible and this isn't my Lois and beyond being able to see how she could ever, I don't care what the reason is, release his identity. I've kind of been a voice out there saying, listen, uh, we've been told we're going to get a reason. We know we're in a mystery. We haven't seen why it happened. I'm a little dubious myself because why would she do it? But she's not the same Lois as before. They're not in a love relationship. However, she is supposed to be his real good friend, so it seems out of character for her to release his identity to the world. Although we have been told we're going to get a reason and that Wonder Woman knows about it or whatever, and so let's wait and see. But everybody is very against this whole idea, and I get that, and I'm still not sure it was the right thing to do, nor is Superman, but – we see the reason here. So maybe everybody can stop saying what a traitor at this point or stop saying she's a terrible person or I'm done with New 52 because this isn't my Lois or whatever it is. Because at the beginning of the story, I said, I hate this. And at the end of the story, I was crying. You know, not actually, it wasn't pouring down my face, but I was teary. I read it out loud to the people who were in the room with me, and I got choked up trying to read it. I couldn't get through it um, because I felt like she was doing a heroic thing for him in that moment, even though it was going to put other people. But she didn't think of that. It wasn't like, well, I don't care if they die. I'm just going to do this anyway. She, in that moment, saw him screaming, saw him suffering, saw him tied down and said, I'm just going to do this. That way the villain can't do it. And Superman can get away. And I found that to be very Lois Lane-like to me. Hmm. Now, I I could understand it on one hand. I, like Michael Bailey keeps saying in his reviews, the story is good. I hate the premise. I understand. It's well written. You're going along for the story. But the idea that they put these characters in this position bugs me. Um there, there's always another option. I, I just, I think, like, how many times have we seen a story where you know Superman's secret identity might be at, you know, in danger or or whatever, but he always finds another way for Lois to be the one to go. Well, you know what, I'm going to save you by outing your secret identity so that this bad guy doesn't have anything over you. Worry, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a smart thing that Lois would do. Um, so yeah, in one hand, I say, yes, it's Lois saving, you know, coming to the rescue of Superman. I understand that. I appreciate that. That seems like a very Lois Lane thing to do. But on the other hand, I'm thinking that's a pretty short-sighted Lois Lane thing to do, but surely there's got to be a better way of doing this. Surely there does. And oftentimes there is, but going back to what you said, how many times have we seen it? Uh, over and over again. But how many times have we seen this version of it? Never. Um, so maybe the idea of going for something different, something more dramatic, something more uh, uh, charging in terms of their relationship, something that, that that will cause some more drama going forward. And sometimes you just cause arbitrary drama like they're always killing a Jonathan Kent in every version of the, the uh, media of Superman because they think – that it's that it's very dramatic, and they think that it can be the impetus, uh, like Batman, as to why he becomes Superman. But in this case, as I said, 
I don't love the premise either because I don't like the idea. And we said this either last month or a month before. How are they going to fix this or are they going to? Or are they just going to revamp the universe again and it's going to be starting over? Because once now everybody knows it's a very different dynamic. And I almost think, not to put words in anybody's mouths, but I almost think Michael Bailey, you, uh, other people that have that take on it are more concerned about how that's going to change the character forever as opposed to necessarily what it does for the story uh, moving forward in this current incarnation. Because let's face it, if, if, his, if his identity is known to the world and there is, no, there is no separate entities of Clark Kent and Superman, then we have a very different story. And for years, people have said there's not enough of Clark Kent at the planet. There's not enough of Clark Kent's supporting cast. And once they dissolve the Clark Kent because he even said to Batman in the Batman Superman one, I used to be a reporter. So once they dissolve that whole thing, I'm thinking that maybe everyone is concerned that that's not going to they're not going to get that back or that there's no way to because now everybody knows. So so everyone's sort of uh, on eggshells worrying and wondering if they can take a step toward any direction because they don't know if Clark Kent's ever going to be able to come back as the Clark Kent we know and beyond that Will Lois ever be able to be in the dark again? Will the rest of the world ever be able to be? And so this is a very different storyline. It's never been done before where the whole world knows it's more like a Marvel thing. Let's, let's, let's reveal our identities to the world. And the DC characters don't generally do that. So it's very outside the comfort range for most people. Uh, but it, very, it touched me and I was pleased to see a believable Logical reason why she would have done – not even necessarily logical, as you say, short-sighted right now, but emotionally and someone that she even said she could have loved or almost fell in love with, which by the way, I don't remember ever happening. She said it, but I don't remember them ever approaching almost falling in love. Uh, But she said it, so she must have felt it or maybe they're saying for the first time she felt it or whatever, but he didn't react in such a way that he had never heard that from her before. But for me, I never heard it from her before. But the idea that she loves this man or could have loved this man or might be in love with this man and sees him suffering and sees the situation and knows that he's been powerless for longer than he said it would take a day for him to get his powers back. She, a few moments ago, stabbed him with a with a fork hmm. and, and it hurt him. So she doesn't know how bad off he is. She doesn't know what the situation is and she doesn't know what's going to happen after this. And if he flares out again – how long will it take this time for the powers to return? Or are they even back yet? And I had that question myself. When did he get his powers back? Where did the suit come from? They said it all burned. Guy captures him and now he's in the suit again. Did he have a suit made for Superman? Did he give it back to him even though it burned off before? Uh, so there were a couple of things left out. And it seemed to me that when they came in, he was still barely jumping. So he doesn't have all his powers back, but he's able to flare. That seems to be something new to me because I'm not certain that he was able to do that if he wasn't at full power. But anyway, from Lois's point of view, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but human beings can be rash. Human beings can make emotional decisions. Mm. Human beings can make different decisions than they would normally make when they're under duress. And what better under duress decision to make, whereas Lois would probably put up with any form of torture to herself without giving somebody else up to do it. When she's not in any particular danger, but he's down there possibly suffering and maybe about to die or who knows what she thought might be the case to say, I'm not going to let him take it from you. Yes, she, but I think she made a personal sacrifice knowing that it was a betrayal of sorts, knowing that it might not fly 
in order to get him out of that situation. And I think that is the definition of heroism, to do something you know might hurt you to protect someone else. Yeah, good point. No, I understand totally where you're coming from. I, I guess, as you say, it's um, that knowledge of, you know, you've opened a can of worms now. How do you put the genie back in the bottle? That's... Oh, I get that, and that bothers me as well. <laughs> I, but story-wise, at the moment, yeah. I'm, I, I don't find it to be uh, a, a terrible, traitorous thing that she did. Sure. Uh, I do feel that it's right. a betrayal of something. He says later on in another book, you both betrayed my trust, talking to Wonder Woman and Lois. Mm. I don't think Lois betrayed his trust because I don't think she, he ever gave it to her. True. Very true. So next we move into Action Comics number 44. And in this one, we see the Madam Mayor revealing herself as the Wrath, this, the head of this, uh, the shadow creatures that have been plaguing Superman and the battle that's been raging on the street where he lived as Clark Kent and all the people that uh, lived on that street, uh, I guess going toe-to-toe with these shadow creatures and trying to um, uh, you know, see their way through this particular circumstance. Yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy – it got out of control really fast. Like it looked like it was some police marching on a downtown scene where people were celebrating Superman. And now it's turned into uh, everyone around is a shadow creature. So I'm, I find myself wondering, are these shadow creatures that took over people or were the people always shadow creatures that were lying in wait? Or did they uh, teleport the people somewhere else and then take on their uh, facades or, or – do these people never really exist? I don't. I don't know. Were they taken over? Are they yeah, still the it's same not really people? Really explained. Um, so I don't know if we're now suddenly missing thousands of people from Metropolis, or if they've just been turned into something else and they're lost causes, or what. But something else I've been reading, and and I think Michael Bailey said it, is that he doesn't like the premise. It's another situation where. Uh, what if what if new people who are reading and that's apparently who they're gunning for when they make Superman depowered and make him a tough guy? What if new people reading like that version? What if new people think he is the bad guy everyone is saying because he's too dangerous or because he's too violent or because he's whatever? What if the gamble doesn't pay off? And I don't really think of it as too much of a gamble. You know, in his review, he wrote. Uh, maybe some of you were thinking that this is something that will pass, that we're going to get back to normal Superman after a while. I've never had that concern. My my thought was that it was always a, a day in the continuing adventures of Superman and that we would get back to status quo eventually. We will see Superman with powers again. We've seen it in the solicits, in fact, and maybe that's a spoiler alert giving something away, that he's back in his regular uniform and that he's looking normal and that he has his powers again. But So I've never I've never been under the impression that this was going to be a permanent thing. And I guess you could say, but what if it was so popular that they had no choice? Well, in that case, then I guess that's the Superman people want. But as far as him being angry or as far as him wanting to brawl, I've seen Superman angry before. And when have I seen him angry? I've seen him angry when other people are getting hurt and the villains are doing it in such a way that proves they just don't care about anyone else. People not being cared about and people being hurt willy-nilly to either get at Superman or to get something the villain wants has always made Superman angry. Let's not pretend that Superman was this 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 Spock-like character who didn't have any emotions. Superman is probably one of the most human superheroes there are even though he's not human and he is very much connected to the human race and to people and to protecting people. Shouldn't Superman be angry here? What is wrong with him being angry? And aren't they hurting people? 
and hurting him. What, what, why is that wrong for him to be angry? So I found it very, again, I was teary when that woman came to his aid. Uh, I forget her name, the police officer's name who hated him at the beginning. Mm. And he said, oh, you've come to save me. I thought it was great, and I was touched by it, and he inspired her to do that, and he inspired this whole neighborhood, and he inspires the world just like he has inspired us as fans to be fans of him from the beginning. Mm. And uh, we have a, a secret ending, if you like, or a, a mysterious villain at the, at the end who I kind of know without saying he, who that's going to be, who is seemed to be the driving force behind the issues here, uh, behind Superman's truth dramas all along so we'll wait for well, did you know that because you read it somewhere or you yes. figured it out somewhere no 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 oh, okay. i read it somewhere in the, in the I, mean, I didn't know who it was but i know okay. now because i've read moving forward but yeah. and, and i thought that the guys at the end weren't really wrathful the ones that she passes by and they're kind mm. of coming on her they were more lustful maybe yeah but that isn't anger or wrath if she you know if she feeds on that i get the idea that superman if he knows now that his anger is feeding her, that he should try not to. But it's a little like that whole Horrorville storyline from a while ago. People may know that their fear is what's driving the enemy, but, but if you're scared. afraid, yeah. you can't You can't just not be afraid if you are. You can try, and maybe you'll get over it eventually. But if you're angry because of something, you're angry. You can't just switch it off. Right. Okay. Not a, that's not one of Superman's powers, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. Anti-anger. Um, let's move on to Batman Superman number 24. And in this, uh, you mentioned earlier, Aquaman uh, goes toe-to-toe with Superman. He appears here for all, on behalf of the subterranean people um, against what's been happening from the, the, the land, people above, and, you know, this um, perceived... Uh, issue that the subterraneans have with the overworlders or whatever they're calling they're calling uh, the people on above the oceans and Superman and Batman uh, Superman and Aquaman go toe to toe but uh, Arthur he knows Clark and they've kind of in a way working together to do the, like I guess like a mock fight but it seems less mock than real in some circumstances well it's a mock fight but it's still Aquaman saying, stand down, we're doing this. Yeah. I want to, you know, I mean, he's going to mock fight him because he doesn't want to hurt him because he knows he's powerless, but he's still not listening to him and he's still not being reasonable or logical. He's acting kind of like a caveman, just running in there and punching everyone and saying, I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to knock you down. Now pretend you're hurt and make it look good because I want you out of this. Uh, and I also, I said it earlier, I don't read the Aquaman book, but he's in Justice League. Their partners, their teammates. He's able to play nice with people. So when when a guy grabs him and he says, "Who dares?" and punches him and knocks his helmet off, it doesn't seem to me that that's something Aquaman would do. If I'm wrong, someone who reads Aquaman needs to tell me that he talks like that to people. That I know he's a king and I know he rules the underworld and I know that he's got a lot of power. But I didn't know that he was pompous. I didn't know that he expected people to bow down to him. I didn't know that he thought he was better than everyone. So it seems to me out of character from what I usually think of for him to say, "How who, dare, who dares touch me? When the guy's like, hey, uh, maybe we should think about it. And he slaps him down like mm. he's a, like as a peon. So it bothered me to see that. And it always – people like to see heroes fight heroes. So I guess that's why they do these sort of things. 
Uh, but but they then get in a fight, and Superman says things like, "Are you going to listen, or am I going to? I have to get mean or tough or whatever it is he says." Mm. It doesn't seem character-like for Superman either, but mm. I know they wanted to get to that. Uh, but uh, so that kind of those kinds of things kind of got to me, and I'm not sure if you know better than I how Aquaman normally acts, nope. but I just didn't think that that would be his normal. And at the end there, I guess he goes to see the real Bruce. I'm mm. confused because I don't read Batman. Yep, same. Is is Batman? Is Bruce Wayne? Does he have amnesia? Does he not know he was Batman? Because he says, "Have I met you before?" Or has he just emotionally closed off the idea that he knew any of these people or was ever Batman? Or somebody has to tell me that, too, because it just seemed really weird. Yes, they've met before. They were teammates. They have fought side by side. So that just seemed really weird to me. I'm not sure why Bruce is where he is. I'm not sure what the situation is. Uh, Clark is going there saying, are you Bruce Wayne? Not because he doesn't know. But because he's wondering why he's there. And he's, he's – I'm guessing because – if Clark doesn't know either, then I'm real confused. Uh, <laughs> I'm as confused I like the... as you are, but uh, I have no idea what's happening with Bruce Wayne in the Batman books. I don't know why he's here with these kids rather than being Batman or whether he knows he was Batman, whether he's decided to stay away from being Batman and just left it to somebody else. Um, I, I don't know. It was an interesting, uh, well-drawn segment. I actually liked the art in this oh, section. Oh, very much. But uh, I like yeah, the art I was, book in general. I was confused as to uh, why and how Bruce is where he is. But um, I guess the uh, the villain, the secret villain that I was speaking about next, uh, is kind of revealed on the last page of this, uh, where <laughs> Vandal Savage is revealed as the person that the Shadow Wrath woman was meeting with. Well, it's weird because. Um... He comes in and says, uh, well, after all, I am Vandal Savage, uh, which no one ever says. You know, I don't walk into a room. They go, oh, Scott, you're here. Well, after all, I am Scott. You know, uh, so it's very odd. And I, they do it in comics all the time because they want you to know who it is. Yeah. But in this case, they have a big, uh, you know, uh, dialogue thing at the bottom of the page that says Savage Strikes. So maybe they could have left it out this time because mm. that sort of tells us. Who it is to begin with, but I also like that um, they do a little nod to Smallville in the scene with Bruce Wayne because uh, Clark is wearing his exact uh, Smallville outfit with the red coat and the blue shirt underneath. Um, I thought it was very neat. All right, let's move on to Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, What issue number are we doing? 21. Yes, 21. 21. And in this, we have the continuation of uh, Superman... Um, at the president, at, at, uh, well, you know, was meeting with the president. And meanwhile, Wonder Woman was interrogating all the Superman's friends and, and uh, people that he's, you know, had in his life from as Clark Kent, uh, with Wonder Woman interviewing them with her uh, lasso. And uh, Superman crashes in on the interviews and uh, seems to be quite confused at just what's going on and why Wonder Woman's there and who is she working for and on behalf of and, you know, why are these people uh, being held and and uh, questioned uh, about him? Well, for me, this is one of the best story arcs I can personally remember reading about Superman. I know it's changing a lot of the status quos. I know people want Superman and Lois together, not Superman and Wonder Woman. And I know that we all want his identity to be a secret. And we like the love triangle between him, Lois, and Clark. But 
That being said, now that they've done it and now that they've shaken this up, it is extremely dramatic. It is it is awesome to see, for me, all of these implications that come about when Wonder Woman makes her own decision to not tell him something and then she goes and she's interviewing people with her lasso. And when Lois Lane makes her impetuous decision to reveal his identity because she's trying to protect him. He, it's, things are coming at Superman from all sides and he's not exactly sure why it's going this way why he's kind of losing control of all the situations in his life and it can be very hurtful and very damaging to relationships when things like that happen even if everybody had their own reasons and thought they were doing things for the better good Wonder Woman went there to rescue these people and thought that the most expedient way to do that would be to interrogate them herself with the lasso because the world would know the you know the council or whoever it is would know right off the bat that they were telling the truth and that they were no threat superman doesn't care about that he just wanted to go in there and take them out of there while at the same time lois has revealed superman's identity to the world and he tells both of them you both betrayed my trust and you can't expect that i'm going to forget that because i never will and then he leaves at the end again i was very touched by that sentiment the idea that people could say Nobody can relate to Superman. He's too powerful or that or that Superman is all about his powers or that the idea that uh, an alien with superpowers who saves our lives all the time is something negative. Uh, I found this to be a very human moment. I found it to be very believable that everybody felt the way they felt and I find it very logical that Superman's feelings would be hurt, that his whole world is collapsing and that it might be caused by some people who he thought would never uh, put him in that position. Mm. Even if they had the, even if they felt like they had the need to do so, I, again, the premise is crazy and it's, it is a huge risk and it is a huge gamble, but I think it's a, I think it's an amazing story concept and a great idea in terms of what it brings to the drama. Mm, no, I understand exactly that. And, uh, it uh, does put Superman in an awkward position because he is the only one who's dealing with the ramifications on a personal level as for his secret identity to be, to, to be outed and for the, the people that he knows and loves to be questioned and, and, and um, interviewed and interrogate, interrogated in this way. It impacts on him on a personal level and these are people that he cares desperately about and has tried to protect all his life, and that's the reason he had a secret identity in the first place, was to protect all these people, and now that's been taken away from him, so he feels in a very vulnerable position, not just from a personal standpoint, but also from the fact that his powers are not where they should be, and so he's in a very awkward position, and I understand the level of uh, angst that he feels about being put in this position by people that he had trusted and hoped would you know, do things uh, to help him rather than hinder him. And even though they were trying to help him, in the end, it's actually been more of a hindrance. Um, and we also get this Mr. Bend character who was obviously uh, somebody working on the president's staff in the administration of the government and who has put, him, put the, the government in this position of, you know, of, 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 with things that have happened with Superman. And he seems to be the third party in this um, trial... A triangle, if you like, of uh, Vandal Savage, The Wrath, and whoever Mr. Bend is. Do we know who he is? I am not familiar with him, although it does say something like Love Conquers or something at the bottom of the page there. Power of um, Love. Is there a character that that uh, does something to make people love people that we should be worried about? Or, mm, uh, you know, is Cupid suddenly a demon of some <laughs> kind that's going to kill us all? 
because if she's wrath and she kind of helps bring out people's anger and feeds on it, you know, maybe she, maybe this guy uh, plays on people's love. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like an odd kind of a thing if mm. that's what they're going for. But speaking of powers, Lois seems really strong in this book. Like that guy, the scientist who, or whoever it is that's there with Wonder Woman, Lois decides to stand up even though she's tied up with Wonder Woman's lasso. Yeah. She stands up, gets in that guy's face, grabs him with one hand and throws him in the chair like he's down <laughs> in the chair. He was standing up, a grown man, was standing up and Lois said, sit down, get out of my way. I think suddenly soup, the Lois – uh, has superpowers, or maybe she's back <laughs> under Brainiac's control or something. You're throwing them around. Uh, I also don't know if Clark would call them freaks. When the people suddenly change and they become shadow creatures, mm. again, this goes back to what are they? This goes back to are these real people that are being taken over? Are these people that never were that are just in disguise? Or or are the people somewhere else? And so he's calling them freaks. Um, but they were people in the lab a minute ago, and now – they all turn into shadow creatures and Clark says, don't worry, you freaks. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, if they're mm. freaks, then he is. Or or if if people who are rudely taken over against their will are freaks, that just seems like a – seems like out of character that he would call them that unless he knows that they're not real people or something more than we do. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, Some of the things that he said um, do seem a bit aggressive because usually it's like – no, I can't. I'll have to hold back. We don't know if these are real people or if they're, you know, sentient or if they're robots or, you know. And so here it, it seems a bit um, aggressive for him to be calling them that and a bit out of character. But um, we wait and see where Superman Wonder Woman leads us. Uh, as you say, uh, a bit more of uh, interesting developments this past month that lead us to um, an interesting position in this truth arc um, and give us a few more answers than we had when we when we first came in. Listen, if you and Michael Bailey know as much about Superman as I do, you all know that Superman is just going to go around the world and kiss every single person until they forget <laughs> his identity. So there's no problem, really. I mean, yep. it's temporary. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Uh, I think that was a Robot Chicken episode, wasn't it, where you went around kissing all the villains so they would... Uh... Oh, yeah. I mean, it might have been... <laughs> All right, uh, let's move into our big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, what is your favorite Superman comic book story of all time? Hector wrote in the same one that I picked, Superman versus Doomsday was the best one so far. Uh, I like it because it shows Superman's just uh, unending spirit to protect at any cost. And uh, a lot of people don't like it because they feel like it was a one-off type of villain and that it didn't have any uh, character to it. But I love it as well. Okay, so the death of Superman story is his favorite. Thanks, Hector. Rick Ruiz writes in. He says, wow, tough question, boys. But like Steve said, the first story that popped into my head is Superman in Action Comics number 775. What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? I believe this story gives us an insight into who Superman really is. When the big guy decides enough's enough, well, don't mess with the S. Any argument for Batman is lost in this one comic. He's an unstoppable force. I don't remember mentioning Action Comics 775, but uh, it is a good one. Thanks, Rick. I had uh, forgotten that one myself. There you go. John Jr. wrote, I think for me the death of Superman is my favorite storyline of all time. It's really what got me into collecting Superman comics and other comics along the way. Before, I'd just pick up a book here and there without really thinking about picking up the next part. 
Also, like Doomsday, I thought he was a cool villain that Superman could go at without having to hold back. I also liked Superboy and Steel and the cyborg Superman and all the pretenders, and that Superboy and Steel came into their own as heroes in the DCU. Very good. Thank you, John. Uh, Giles Savage Jr. wrote, The reign of the Superman will always have a soft spot for me. I haven't got the pog of the four new Superman. Also, the big Superboy and the Legion story about the wedding of Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad will always be a classic of my childhood. Rock the Superman homepage on. Thanks, guys. Very nice. Robbie sent in his answer as an audio response. That's nice. So let's hear what he had to say. Hi, Stephen Scotty. My name's Robbie, and for my answer for your monthly question for what is the best Superman story of all time to me, it narrows it down very quickly to two stories for me. One being the death and return of Superman seeing the aftermath of his death and particularly the reign of the superman as a kid it just floored me blew me away the connor kent version of superboy is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time when i was a kid i definitely went out and got that haircut got those john lennon looking sunglasses and a pleather jacket at the time because i just thought superboy was the coolest thing going but that story in general is fantastic it's interesting it, uh, it held my attention as a child and as an adult. It's as good as it gets in most cases. But for me, the greatest Superman story is All-Star Superman. It captures exactly what Superman is to me. Every story has a different twist and turn to it. It's so interesting. Even the animated film I loved. And I simply watched just because I wanted to clarify the ending. Because I couldn't decide reading it whether Superman was still alive or not. But I guess that's all up to the interpretation of the reader anyways. And I very much look forward to the podcast and hearing what your guys' favorite stories are. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate your audio answer. It's always great to hear from our fans and listeners. All right, our sponsor, Patrick O'Neill, writes in and he says, My favorite Superman comic book story of all time is the death and return of Superman story. The reason it's my favorite story is that it showed the importance of the Superman character, not only in the comic book world, but in the real world. People in the real world were just as upset as the people in the comic books. I think it was Mike Carlin who said that the world was taking Superman for granted, and this story reminded the world of his importance. Keep up the great work, Stephen Scotty. Well, thank you, Patrick. Great, great yes, uh, sentiments there. I love the way he's, uh, he's worded that answer. Sounds like it might be then time to have another Death of Superman story in the real world these days, because <laughs> right. uh, we seem to be having that issue these days as well. Uh, but now it's time for the new big question. Steve, what do we got? Well, our new question for this month is, if a standalone Superman movie was to happen, what would you like to see happen in the movie? Give us your ideas. Mm, very uh, cool. So uh, get involved with this big question segment of the show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send your answer in. Scotty and I will read them out here on Radio KL, or if you like, you can do as Robbie did and record an audio answer and send that to us as an MP3 file. We'll play it here on our next podcast. Ooh, I hope we get a lot of good ideas because I, I, I think this is a good question because people cool. always think about like, well, I could have done so so much better. Everyone always yeah. says, well, if, if you could do so much better, then why don't you go ahead and write something? <laughs> so let's write something and come up with something really cool. Yeah, let us know your answers. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Time for the Superman comedy sketch. What do you have for us this month? Well, we've got the third and final part of the command performance of Superman with Bob Hope and Bella Lugosi from 1946. Uh, it was a one-piece performance, 
but uh, to break it up into bite-sized segments for our podcast. Uh, we present to you here the third and final part that we've broken up from that 1946 performance. While Clark Kent, who is really Superman, and Lois Lane, who is really Paulette Goddard, feed back to the Daily Planet, which is really a crummy paper, let us see how the King Sisters are coming along with the two mad scientists. Let us throw the King Sisters into the soap machine. Oh, yes. King Sisters, forward! March! Hey, Alice, bring up the rear. I can't. I'm not built that way. Oh, they're in. Now, start the machine. These girls will make four wonderful bars of soap. Think we can get 16 cakes out of each bar of soap? No, they are still the King Sisters. No matter how you slice them, you will only get eight to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, just think. Next time they sing, it'll be soap operas. Yes, yes. Well, isn't that enough? Now, stop the machine, and we'll examine the product. The bars of soap are coming out. Look at those huge soap bars. Yeah, king size. <laughs> now we know the machine works, and we shall get the master ingredient that will make our soap the best in the world. You mean? Yes, I mean Superman. He's the only man who contains lanolin. Now we switch back to Clark Kent and Lois Lane Who are snooping around the mad scientist's house In an effort to find out what happened to the King Sisters How do they know what happened to the King Sisters? They peeked We must be near the Palladium Afraid, are you, Clark? Afraid? Fear is a stranger to me. Oh. Sounds like my sponsor. <laughs> Clark, you are scared. Your nose is like chalk. I know. I've got to stop writing things in the sidewalk with it. <laughs> What's well, so wrong, Lois? I've got an appointment with my barber. At midnight? Lady barber. <laughs> oh, well, I'll have to go in alone. I'll ring the doorbell. Doors opening. Hello, I'm Tarzan of the Apes. <laughs> but this is Superman. You're in the wrong comic strip. What are you doing here? Oh, just looking for some apes. <laughs> <laughs> In this dreadful house. Well, good, good evening. evening. Hello. 
I'm Lois Lane of the Planet. You may interview us in my private office. My, what a charming house. You like it? This house has stood uh, for 300 years. I moved in the day it was built. Not a stone has been touched. Nothing altered. Nothing repaired or replaced. My, you must have the same landlord I have. Just a minute. (laughs) Miss Lane, now that you know all about my soap machine, you must die. But I don't know anything about your soap machine. I just told you. (laughs) So you have to die. Isn't it wonderful how he can find excuses for killing people? We'll throw her in right now. Grab her, Doctor. Oh! What's there? Unhand that woman. It is I, Superman. Just in time for another thrilling rescue. I am here in the neck of time. You mean Nick? Neck. Nick. Get these guys out of the room and I'll show you what I mean. (laughs) Superman! At last, we have you where we want you. We are going to make soap out of you. Yeah, we can break you in half. Use half of you in the tub, half in the kitchen for dishes and light laundry. I do hope I'll be kind to Wendy's. <laughs> you fiends are mad. You can't kill me. I'm indestructible. Go ahead, try to kill me. Go on, I double dare you. All right, I'll use the machine gun. Yeah, it only tickles. All right. Give him the axe. (laughs) Only tickles. Hand grenade! (laughs) Only tickles. Ouch! Oh, what happened? Lois, you're standing on my corn. Shame on you, Superman, the man of steel. Well, a guy can rust. (laughs) Enough of this. Superman, are you ready to get into the machine? All right, you fools. I will show you the folly of your ways. I will step into your ridiculous machine. Superman, Superman, lots more such with Superman. With your long, all lasting teeth, it's a soap and super What's happening, Atoll? What's happening? Good gracious, he's turning the machine into soap. Then our experiment is a failure. There's nothing left to do but die. Goodbye to the world. Song, Pop. Hey, you are coming home. Ah, the forces of justice have once more triumphed over those of evil. Superman, kiss me. But I'm Superman. I don't waste time with girls. This is the hardest part I ever played. <laughs> Superman, you kiss me. Ah, but I may destroy you with one embrace. I'll chance it. Come into my manly arms. <laughs> oh, my. He disintegrated quickly. <laughs> This program is arranged with the aid of the Hollywood Coordinating Committee.
This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Last month's sound came from Season 2, Episode 6 of the Adventures of Superman TV series titled Defeat of Superman. Here it is again. Did you say kryptonite? Yes, that was the sound from our last podcast, and we had five people guess it right. Who were they, Scotty? They were David Huang, Hector, Fred Walsh, Raymond Scott, and our sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. Thank you to those five people for guessing it right. Here is our new super secret soundbite. Let's see who can guess where in the world of Superman this sound comes from. Anyone who tries to tell you that a man can't be a good American because he's a Catholic or a Jew or Protestant or whatever, you can be pretty sure he's a rotten American himself. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound did come from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. Everyone who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. I, of course, know where it's from, but maybe it's unfair since I'm a part of the show. It's, of course, from the pilot episode of Krypton, which airs tomorrow on the Sci-Fi Network. (laughs) Whatever happened to that TV show was supposed to be coming and never really heard anything more about it. I don't know. I I assume that they're still working on it or going to work on it or that it's, I hope. Yeah. Superman. Superman. Yes, and the song is Superman by Atmosphere from their 1999 Sad Clown Bad Dub 1 album. That's almost as long as Diane's uh, <laughs> name. In the, uh, check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash atmosphere. Yes, and thank you to the band and their manager for allowing us to play the song here on Radio KAL. Here is Superman by Atmosphere. Bored one day and jumped out of a third story window, uh-huh. hit the curb in a sprint position. Wow. And that was the first time he found himself different from the rest. Thus began him on his quest for individualism. He felt he had some thick decisions to make. Superpowers can't be all but in games. Pizza cake in the park under sun rays. I mean, wait, he wishes he understood. Wait, hold up, does this mean now that he's obligated to roam around and do some good? Maybe he should keep it hidden from his neighborhood. I doubt his girl would even try to comprehend it if she could. And he ain't trying to be nobody's circus side. Show freaks over to keep it discreet now and hide it from these people. But one day on the way to Falafel King for some lunch, he was approached by these three cats that he got in stone with once. He cracked a smile, extended an arm to give the first one a pound, brought the fist down, and sunk them deep into the ground. Cats out the pillow sacks, you see that puddle? Well, that particular molecular displacement has a mom who's gonna want an explanation as to why her son Jason, her pride and joy, is now liquid boy dripping down the pavement. Save it. You better bolt and hide, cause when war patrol gets a hold of your throat, you'll probably hope to die. Snap, you can fly. It's time to take it to the air and quit tripping. Whoever told you that existence was supposed to be fair? Hey, yo, man, why you squish my homeboy, man? Yo, dog, this kid owed me like $10, dude. Why you have to kill him? Yo, made it, landed in the backyard, fast like a track star. The flight was basic, and the landing, it wasn't that hard. Now act smart, pack the things you need and leave. 
Say your peace to this diseased place. Keep it free, face the east, spread your wings. Wait, I hear police sirens coming to inquire about the deceased. I, I wonder if your chest can deflect bullets. Contemplate surrender to escape this excess stress. Glad nobody thinks about the emotional drain that it takes to have special strengths and advanced brains. And now he's dancing with sanity solo, trying to hold this in the ground, devising a rush blueprint, blocking all sight and sound. And pictures of all the childhood trauma, all the livelihood, the drama, the time spent wandering, pondering the secrets of imagination. No way can or could anyone have understood this present situation. Yo, 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 yo. mom, if they take me down, believe I'm gonna miss you. And if I ain't around, take comfort knowing I went out with a fist where it was accidental. I never meant to. It ain't my fault. I don't know how it started off, nor how it shall resolve. Uh, but I'll be damned if I give a man the satisfaction. Satisfaction of taking down the man who could have taken out that man with all his past. And at one glance, it was romantic if you think the freak slit his own throat and bled to death in the kitchen. And at a glance, it was romantic if you think that freak slit his own throat and bled to death in the kitchen. And at first glance, it was romantic if you think the freak slit his own throat and bled to death in the kitchen sink. No longer worried about health or wealth. A superhero's true weaknesses themselves. No longer worried about health or wealth. A superhero's true weaknesses themselves No longer worried about health or wealth A superhero's true weaknesses themselves No longer worried about health or wealth A superhero's true weaknesses himself I need to lower my expectations Expectation. I never said I was Jesus, nah I'm Superman Superman With a capital S Superman Hey yo man, you got 35 cents? Well, there you have it, a bit of a rap uh, song for us. We don't usually do a lot of hip-hop or rap here on Radio Hey, we'll KL. do it if it has something to do with Superman. Yeah, exactly. Send us rap songs. Well, we've done classical, we've done uh, pop, we've done uh, whatever, whatever else have we done. So many different types of genres that we've played. It just shows how popular Superman is right across the spectrum of music. So that was Superman by Atmosphere. Uh, yeah, and I'd like to, speaking of Superman songs, I don't know if this is at all possible. After all, uh, I'd like to have more answers to the big question every month. But uh, I have a little challenge to lay out to you talented people out there. Uh, I listen to Howard Stern all the time. And on Howard Stern, there are all kinds of listeners who send in parody songs. I don't recommend you necessarily listen to those parody songs, but... <laughs> Uh, do some parody songs, you know, get your weird owl on and, and, and pick some popular songs and write some lyrics. You know, I did it once to the tune of stars on uh, great Scott one time where I was Jor-El and I sang about sending my baby off to earth to mm. be protected. Give me a, give, you know, send in some songs. Maybe that can be something as a, a new segment. Maybe we only do it once in a while when we have one, but take a karaoke version of one of your favorite songs and, and write some lyrics to it that are Superman related. And, uh, right. and maybe we'll, uh, maybe we can do something like that sounds like an awesome idea let's see how creative our listeners can get out there well that is our show for this month a uh, lot to get through a lot to talk about uh, some really interesting topics thank you for listening uh, remember if there is an idea that you do have for radio kl maybe there's a topic you think we need to discuss maybe there's a big question you'd like us to pose to the fans or maybe there's a song like scotty said that you'd like to send in or request or maybe there's a comedy sketch that you've heard of that you think we should be playing here on our podcast all those ideas can be sent to us you can uh, find the KAL feedback form at the website or you can send us an email, my email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com 
or you can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we'll endeavor to use your ideas here in a future show. But for now, that is this show for September. Thank you for listening and thank you for your input, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by Superman Homepage and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill.